I have enjoyed this series on being brave and courageous, stepping out into the areas of our life where we feel uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of the, the premise to our Christian life. We live by faith. Over the past three weeks, we have been studying the book of Joshua. We found truths here that have given us great hope and comfort in the midst of our great pain. We have seen God's hand at work, not only in the lives of the children of Israel, but we've seen his hand at work in our lives as well. We've witnessed God's great power during these past few weeks. Power that has sustained us, comforted us, directed us, and continues to do so. Three weeks ago, we talked about how God called his children to press on. And out of Joshua chapter 1, he called his people to rise up and face the challenge. The challenge was this, to cross the River Jordan. Last week, we discussed why we must cross this Jordan. We talked about God's great plan for us. Why? Must we cross this river? Because God is just on the other side, waiting with open arms to give us the land which he promised to us. So we've discussed what we're supposed to do, and we've discussed how we're supposed to do it. We discussed why we were supposed to get across the River Jordan. And today, we continue in Joshua, and we ask the question, when? When must we carry on? When must we rise up? When must we get up and move forward? And when does God expect us to fulfill his promise? The answer is quite simple. And the answer is this. In his timing. The answer is when God wants us to. All throughout scriptures, both friends and foes of Jesus Christ made both good and evil requests of Jesus with the hopes of altering the timetable of God. But every single person left knowing that the timetable of God could not be altered. Listen closely. In John chapter 2, as I recall some of these stories, Mary, the mother of Jesus, wanted Jesus to perform a miracle without considering if Jesus had a better plan. Afterwards, she witnessed God's plan and concluded that from now on, whatever he says to do, just do it. In John chapter 7, the brothers of Jesus wanted Jesus to go to the temple courts and prove himself to the crowd. But Jesus want, waited until the crowds were of just the right number in the temple so as to offer protection from those who wanted to kill him because Jesus had a better plan. In John chapter 8, many haters of Jesus wanted to prematurely kill him by stoning him. But he hid himself and escaped from their presence. Jesus had a better plan. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Satan himself offered to give Jesus a false sense of victory by offering to relinquish his influence on all the nations of the world if Jesus would only bypass the cross and bow down to him. But Jesus had a better plan. In John chapter 17, the, cro the crowds wanted to make Jesus king. Though a noble request, Jesus responded, I have a better plan. You see, God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us. God has a perfect plan for each of our lives. 
A plan that has perfect timing. God's timing. So many times we try to follow God's plan. We try to do what God wants us to do. But we try to do it in our own timing. And when we do it, we really accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish. Do not trust God's timing. The more we will begin to distrust God's care for each and every one of us. It is an unfortunate reality that when our faith in God becomes weak, we will tend to question his care for our lives. This morning, I just want you to remember this spiritual principle. Feeble faith always makes us question his care for us. Let me repeat that again. Feeble faith always makes us question his care for us. This is so clearly seen in Mark chapter 4 when the disciples found themselves in the middle of a storm together on a boat. So if you would please turn with me to Mark chapter 4 verses 37 through 40 as we talk about what, how Jesus actually responded to those that were in the storms of life. Mark chapter 4. And as you turn there, let me just go ahead and pray and ask God to bless this message. Father God, we thank you that today... We can dive into your word and you can teach us the truth from your word. Help us to not be intimidated by the storms of life or the walls that are put before us. But realize that, God, you go before us. So this morning, go before me. Prepare the way in our hearts and in our minds. Keep us alert and attentive as we dive into your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 40 says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. In verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Has there ever been a time in your life when you just felt that the the terror of fear came upon you? Now, what am I going to do? And the only place to turn to was to Jesus Christ. The disciples were in the middle of a life situation that was common to fishermen. They were at a storm at sea. But in this situation, the storm seemed to be a little more grave than they had ever experienced before. It was so great that it actually scared men of whom many of them were seasoned and skilled fishermen. Why would it scare them? And where was Jesus during all of this time? What was he doing? Verse 37 says that Jesus was sound asleep in the boat. He was not alarmed or distressed. He was calm and he was resting well. Such tranquility may cause one to wander. How could Jesus be sleeping at a time like this? Doesn't he know that I don't know what to do? In fact, that is exactly what the disciples said to him. After witnessing Jesus' calm tranquility in the midst of the storm, his disciples woke Jesus up and made a sad and regrettable assumption. Here's what they asked Jesus. Don't you care if we perish? 
They came to a conclusion that probably each one of us have concluded before when our faith in God has been weak. Contrary to what they were thinking, Jesus not only demonstrated his care for his disciples, but his awesome power over the storm. He stood up and he rebuked that storm and he said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Did you notice the contrast? The Bible says that there was a great storm. Jesus just simply spoke the word and there was a great calm. He then turned to his disciples and asked them a question that I believe God is asking each and every one of us this morning. Where is your faith? You see, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Thus, He knows that when and we must put our full trust in His timing. The problem, though, is that most of us, or most of the time, we don't have the patience to wait on God. To wait on His perfect time. This past week, I had the opportunity in one of my accounts. A man asked me, I was going in there and was changing the, the trash. And he said, hey, he didn't ask if, he, if I had a biblical question. He asked if I had a religious question. And I said, so what is your question? He said, my wife is struggling with cancer. And she's having a very difficult time. I'm having a difficult time with this. The question I want to ask you is, why does he let her suffer like that? Hmm. Maybe it was during this period of time that because of what he was going through emotionally and the distraught and, and, and uh, the pain that he was feeling for her, brought him to allow me to come to an answer that says this. It's okay. Our God is in control. And just as we all face death and the uncertainty of death, know that He's still with you. Do you know Him as your Savior? And at that moment, as He looked at me and went through several other questions... It was difficult for him to understand really what waiting on the Lord was about. What is faith? I understand my faith. I was raised with a certain amount of faith. She's a very devout, orthodox Christian. She understands her faith. As he went like this several times in our conversation. Because it's difficult for us. We don't like to wait. It's difficult for us because we want to be in control. We look at a room, we want to see the outcome of that room when we're done remodeling it and fixing it. When we look at our bills and we see money coming in, we want to take that money and we want to control where that money goes. But isn't it amazing just how God is in control of all things? And this story that we're about to embark on this week in Joshua chapter 6 truly just moved me within my spirit because I realized that for the first time in my life, 
that waiting means acknowledging who is in control of my life. And if God before us, who shall be against us? Is God in full control over your life? Did I offer much comfort for that gentleman this week? I don't know, but I hope that I was able to increase his faith. I hope that I was able to encourage him and realize that there's an appointment for every person. And unfortunately, the suffering on this earth isn't always one that is as wonderful and glorious as others get to experience. Death is inevitable. It's unavoidable. And we all have to face it. But it's during that time that I truly believe with all my heart that as we wait upon the Lord, that we are renewed, that we are strengthened, and that we truly see the hand of God in everything. We have to surrender to it. Men are so, they're they're hands-on. They can fix it. I will take care of this. It is my job. It is my duty. Until the Lord says it's time to go home. And it's no longer in our control. But we have to wait on Him. So let's look at Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Here we read the story of what the Lord told Joshua to do. And when to do it. And with regards to Jericho, here we read of three significant aspects of Joshua facing Jericho. Here's the three points this morning. First, the wall. Second, then the way. And finally, the win. First, the wall. Then the way. And finally, the win. But before we actually dive into Joshua chapter 6, I'm just going to kind of... Uh, tell you a little bit about Joshua chapter 5 and Joshua's encounter with God. In this case, God appeared to Joshua. This fresh encounter was so important for Joshua because it gave him the strength and the encouragement to carry on, to face what was ahead, these days of uncertainty. But when God appeared, he came to give Joshua specific plans for defeating Jericho. God not only told Joshua That Jericho would be defeated. But he gave Joshua the strategy that would deliver it into the hands of the Israelites. A strategy that would take Joshua and the people of Israel to their victory. Know how Joshua needed this encouragement. Joshua needed to be encouraged because this great challenge lay just ahead. And without God's great plan, defeat would be Assured. Here Joshua, he was in a tight spot. You see, as Joshua faced Jericho, he was looking at a difficult task. Here was Jericho, the oldest inhabited city in the world. Around this city stood not one, but two massive walls. Walls that were constructed of stone and of brick. The outer wall, built of stone, stood as as a sign to all those who approached that this city would never or not be conquered. The inner wall, built of brick, was yet another line of defense. This city, these walls, 
were known to be impenetrable. See, Joshua knew this. He knew this all too well. And so Joshua was facing the wall. This sure sounds a lot like our lives, doesn't it? We're constantly looking ahead to the challenge that, challenges that face us. Challenges that seem to be so difficult and so daunting. Challenges that frighten us. Challenges that give us great uncertainty. We look at that wall ahead of us. We wonder, how in the world are we going to break through this wall? How in the world are we going to conquer this wall? Is there a way through? Is there a way over? Or is there a way around the wall? You see, Joshua was thinking the same exact thing. As he paced in chapter 5, wondering how he was going to lead the children of Israel to defeat Jericho. That is when our perfect, almighty God appeared. The commander of the Lord's army. And as Joshua faced the wall, God appeared and gave him everything he needed to conquer it. Everything he needed to face this wall. Everything he needed to lead the nation of, is, of Israel to defeat the people of Jericho. And so now we look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Let's read that. Now Jer- Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. You see, here was God's plan. Clearly delivered to Joshua. As Joshua wondered what was next, as he wondered how, as he wondered how to lead Israel against a formidable opponent, God appeared and gave him a great plan. But notice God's plan. It wasn't a plan that rushed right up to the walls of Jericho and started the battle. It wasn't a plan that was going to happen right now. This was a plan. This was a waiting game. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that God told Joshua to march around the city once a day for six days? Then on the seventh day, to march around seven times. And this is the part of the message that I think I love the best. Because I believe the answer lies in the simple words. 
that God's plan for when always involves a time of preparation and a time of sanctification. Because you see, God's plan always involves a time of preparation and a time of sanctification. Here God told Joshua to have the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant and symbol of God's presence. He said for the armed men to go before it and follow it. You see, he he wanted the men to showcase that Ark to the people of Jericho. And why did he do that? So that all would see that it wasn't the priest, that it was the Lord's army. You see, we talked about the wall that Joshua faced. And it's so cool for me. You know, as a little boy, I used to think all the time, you know, as the song came, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. (laughs) I mean, every time I hear that, and the walls came tumbling down. No, that isn't what he wanted them to see. What was cool about the story is that as they held up the Ark of the Covenant, Think about this truth. Whose side would you like to be on? When they saw the Ark of the Covenant being carried, day number one, day number two, day number three, day number four, day number five, day number six, and day number seven, they started shouting. How many of you think people ran scared? Because they knew it was the Lord's army. If God is for us, who shall be against us? I think we've missed it, church. When we do things, we want to do them in our time and in our way because this is what we have to have. But it's during the time that we wait that God wants us to be sanctified and purified. Have you ever wondered when you've been on your knees crying out to God? It was during that time that you said, God, I finally realize I know what I've done. What about if all of a sudden he just gave it to us and we never really got to see the power of God? But they were faithful. They didn't give up. It must have been hot and miserable there. And yet, day number one, day number two, they followed Joshua's instruction because God spoke to him as the commander over his army. It's powerful. So now we talk about the way that God would bring them through. So what is the way? Well, we just read God's way. We read about how God wanted to bring them the victory. Was it rushed? No. Was it fast? No. Did it take hard work and commitment? Yes. Was the victory assured? Absolutely. I think there are a couple of reasons why God gave Joshua the way to victory that involved tedious, laborious task of walking around the walls for seven days. First, I believe that God wanted Israel. He wanted the Israelites to see that God's victories come from continually doing God's will on a daily basis. Now, church, I'm going to teach you this over the next few minutes, and I really want you to listen to these points because I've had so many people tell us, You know, I can't believe I've fallen away from the Lord and I can't believe this. Well, if you step outside of God's will, be careful. Things will happen. 
Stay in the center of God's will. Understand that we have to live God's will on a daily basis. You see, it would have been easy for God to tell Joshua to walk, walk right up to those walls and to shout, and the walls would come a-tumbling down. But God wanted the Israelites to see the faithfulness to God's plan. While it may not be our timing, always delivers God's results. Oh, I was building a mega church. I was. I was building a mega church. Year number five. People wall to wall. And I'm building God's church. Did you hear what I said? I'm building. No. It's not for me to build. It's for me to wait to see what God's going to build. And what God's going to do. And we have a tendency to lose sight and to lose our way. But yet God wanted the Israelites to see the faithfulness to God's plan. While it may not be our timing, always delivers God's results. I love that. Second, I believe that God wanted to give the Israelites a lesson in waiting on God. You see, I'm sure that the first day they marched up to Jericho and began the procession around the city, the people of Jericho had to have been frightened They had to be afraid. In verse 1, we already read how Jericho was shut down, boarded up, because Israel was so near. So I'm sure that the people of Jericho were concerned when they saw the people of Israel approaching. But then instead of attacking, they simply marched around the city. Then the second day came, the same thing all over again. Maybe Jericho was frightened at the beginning of this day. But still, no attack. The third day, the same thing. The fourth day, the same thing. Here, I think, is when God wanted to show Israel the importance of waiting on God. You see, now I'm sure that Jericho began mocking Israel. Now, Jericho has nothing to be afraid of. Here, they're just marching around the walls. What's so scary about that? Now, they're laughing at Joshua and the people of Israel. They're making fun of them. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This happens to us every day in the world. Every day the world mocks the church. Every day the world mocks Christianity. As we continue to march forward in God's plan, the world looks at us and laughs at us and says we're nuts, calls us names and even makes fun of us. They think that we are intellectually challenged. How could we actually believe this book is the word of God? How could we we believe that there is a God who created all that there is in six, six days? How could we be so arrogant to suggest that people living in sin will be punished? This past week, that man looked at me and said, I know church may not be for everybody. It's really not for me. Because I believe that church is really for the intellectually challenged. What did you just say, Willis? Because I'm putting my gloves on right now. Did you just call me ignorant? Or how about this? In my mind, I just heard stupid. Did you just tell me that I was uneducated? All these things started flooding my mind. And meanwhile, I stood there. Because this is how the world sees us. Why? 
because we don't have the faith to allow them to believe that God will take care of all things. That He is with us. You see, every day they were laughed at. Every day they were mocked. Every day Jericho looked out at this parade and thought, we've got nothing to worry about. The fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. But unfortunately for Jericho, there was a seventh. And we looked at the wall. We read the way. And now we see the win. Joshua chapter 6 verse 15 says this. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The number of perfection. He didn't say the word seven just once. But several times in this passage, because what did Jesus do on the seventh day? He rested. He completed what he started doing in the beginning. That's the number of perfection. So we see that God wins. What happened when they waited for God's plan and God's timing? What happened when they faced the wall? Following the way, God gave them the win. Look at verse 20 with me. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The people of Jericho saw God's power in that instant. The people of Jericho now knew that there was a God that he would truly deliver his people, and the walls came a-tumbling down. I believe that Psalms chapter 37 captures exactly how God will protect his own, while at the same time describe what kind of faith is incumbent upon every child of God. Here's what it says. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently. Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Isn't that a great promise? What a great story for all of God's children. Not only those who actually marched around that city, but for those of today who continue to face the walls in our own lives. The walls that keep us from experiencing all that God has in store for us. The walls that frighten us. The walls that stop us from moving forward with God to capture the victory that He has for us. In the ministry, I will tell you, I've had walls. I'm supposed to be a pastor for the people. But people have become my walls. Oh, they're not here now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop pastoring. Oh, what happened to that person? I'm going to stop pastoring. Oh, this has become very, very personal, these series of, of being courageous and being brave, because I've wanted to give up. That, that's just normal. Todd, it's not about you. Just stop for just a minute, church. If we stop and look at what God's doing, and God brings one man that has the power to win millions of souls to Christ, does it matter how many people sit in a seat? But I always measured success that way. 
But now I measure success about growth within your heart, within your spirit, and within your soul. That's where true maturity comes in Christ. Understanding faith. Understanding what God does. Watch this. Here's some keys from the book of Joshua that we need to know in order to face our walls. And I had to practice them in my own life. And something that we've learned over the last few weeks. And in order to win. Because this is the way that God has provided for us. Number one, he says, step out by faith. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 3 says, every place the sole of your foot walks upon. Two, meditate on God's word. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate there in day and night. Then he said, don't be afraid. In Joshua 1.9, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Because God is with you. Put God first. Joshua 3 3. Ark of the Covenant. Go after it. Note the Ark symbolized God's presence among His people. It wasn't the most important thing in their possession. And then we look at Joshua 5 9, where it says, Dedicate yourselves and your children. Circumcise again the children of Israel. Where it speaks about, they all needed to be circumcised. They waited. Because God knew. I mean, there was nobody that was of age. They were all young. One thing they had, that God on their side. Have a fresh encounter with Christ. Joshua 5.14, Joshua fell on his face and it says he worshipped him. And then trust God for a miracle. Shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will, will fall down flat. These are great things that we've talked about over the past few weeks that we must all take to heart. We must plant these phrases firmly into our hearts and our minds so that we can face the challenges ahead. And I can assure you this. There are challenges ahead for us. There are challenges ahead for us. These are challenges ahead that will test us like we've never been tested before. We will face enemies ahead that will challenge everything that we believe in. They will challenge us at every turn. These struggles will be there. These struggles are real. Walls that we will face, that we must claim God's timing and God's plan if we are going to come out of it victorious. So as we read on into the book of Joshua, we read about how after they conquered Jericho, which was an easy win considering all they had to do was march around the city 13 times in seven days, that Joshua and the people of Israel then face 30 more cities that needed to be conquered. And as you read in Joshua, you'll notice that none of these cities or victories came very easy. They were won simply by marching around. That's true faith, isn't it? They were hard-fought victories. Many lives were lost. Why? Because while God had given them a miraculous victory at Jericho, they had to continue to serve God, work for God, and to follow His will, no matter the cost. Let me say that to you again. There were hard-fought victories. Many lives were lost. Why? Because while God had given them a miraculous victory at Jericho, they had to continue to Serve God, work for God, 
and follow his will, no matter the cost. Sitting over here is my family. I'm blessed to have my stepmom, my sisters, my wife, my niece and nephew, my mom, all here with us. Has the fight been easy for me? The ministry is not easy. It's been difficult. But we've got to keep fighting the good fight of the faith. We've got to realize that we've got to work for God and to follow His will if we're going to see God's blessings. In church, I've seen God bless my family. He's been good to my family. When things haven't been easy, but we've got to keep keeping on. In closing, that is our challenge today. To serve God, work for God, and to follow His will. We will face many walls in our lives. We will face many walls at our church. And over these 12 and a half years of ministry, God has given us miracle after miracle after miracle. God has given us so many victories and so many miraculous wins. But church, listen to me. Everybody's attention up here. But the work still remains. Things have got to be done. He's not dead. He's alive. Let's believe it. The work still remains. The challenges persist. The walls are ahead of us. And we must continue the fight. No matter the cost. And I can assure you that I personally face many walls. Even in my own personal life. I look ahead just as Joshua did. And I see many more challenges that I personally will face in serving at New Hope as your pastor. And I know that there is no possible way I can face those challenges. To face those walls. Without knowing that God has a way. And only when following His way will we experience the win. And today we still claim God's promises for many more miracles at New Hope. You know, for, for the last year I've been, you know, saying I want to do some things around the church. And um, some money was donated to help us to paint and redo the bathrooms just to kind of help where the sanctuary is at. In our FAQ class, we've been talking about being kingdom-minded. Learning more about the Word. What is evangelism? How are we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission? And you know, uh, as you heard Pastor Luke give the... Um, you can turn me down just a little bit. As you heard Pastor Luke give uh, the announcements earlier, here's what he said. Here in September, on Friday night and Saturday, we're going to be preparing for a, a work night. So as we were sitting down with, with the chairman of our deacon board, Ron, who normally over spearheads everything, gets things done around this house, I said to him, I said, you know, we've done a lot in this church, and the first thing people say to me when they walk in the building is this. I didn't think this church looked like this. This is beautiful. But what brings them into the church? What allows people to see what's going on? 
You met Karen, who was able to donate shoes, who maybe watching today was here with us last week. We now have another automobile to evangelize as we're on Facebook so that people can see what's going on here at New Hope Akron. But as we were sitting there, I, I looked around. I said, you know, I'd really like to do the outside of the church building. Church, we have no money for that. Treasurer, don't panic. We have no money to do that. We're not mega church up on the hill, if you know what church I'm talking about. I just can't change a sign because I want to change the sign. We raise money. You pour your life into this ministry because you love to serve God. You love to work for God and we enjoy following His will. So as we're sitting there, I'm like, stop! I have something to say. Becky and Ron, I don't know if I was that charismatic, but you guys know how I am. Lucinda. Okay, I was that way. And I said, I think we can get some siding. Maybe we'll get it at cost. Let me call Matt Black with two T's. So he works at ABC right along with his brother Michael and right along with me as the high position that I have of janitorial custodial services. And uh, so I said, let me go ahead and call Matt. And so I picked up the phone. I called Matt and I said, hey, Matt, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at... Uh, Dutch slap or whatever that's called. And we're looking at gray and we want the outside of the building to be a beacon for the community. I want to see what God will do. And do you think we could get this at cost? I don't even know if we can even afford it. But Matt says, I don't know. Let me see what I can do. He calls me the next morning. We we're talking back and forth and all that. And he calls me the next morning and says, you're not going to believe this. We have exactly what you were looking for in our warehouse. It's been sitting there for two and a half years. I spoke to the manager and Scott said, let's give it to the church. Isn't that awesome? Now, I'm, I'm skipping for sake of time, but I'm. I'm moving some of this. Now, here's what was funny. I said, I think we need 18 to 20 square. Now, that wasn't me. That was from this professional down here who was guesstimating in his, in his mind. Guesstimating. He comes out, measures it. Are you ready? How many square? Matt Black. 24 square are at ABC. This is a plug for them. ABC. How many square do we need here? 24 square. If that wasn't God, I don't know who it was because it wasn't coincidental. You know why? Because here's the truth. When you serve God and you work for God and you follow His will, no matter the cost, God provides. We have a church because God provides. We have a new sanctuary because God provides. We have a steeple on this church because God provides. God's providing something for free because He knows that we have the hands that will work it. Because that's God. And that's a reminder to me that, Todd, listen, no matter the cost of ministry, I'm always in control. So church, I ask you to rally around with me that we can change and transform the outside of this building. All it takes is a little time. So how much time do you have? How much time will it take? So in September, Pastor Luke didn't 
put it up here on the screen because I wanted to, to unveil it this morning. But that's just another milestone. What about if I would have given up? What about if Joshua would have said, I'm sick and tired of marching around, around these walls six times? What? These people think I'm a nut job. People have walked up to me and said, mm-hmm, yeah, they left the church. What'd you do to them? Mm-hmm, they're gone. What'd you do to them? And I've said to myself, what did I do? What could I have done different? Maybe it's all my fault. And God's always there to win the victory for us if we will just wait upon the Lord. I didn't let the enemy win the battle because it's not about him. It's about the kingdom. It's about souls. Even though Scott harassed Matt for a few minutes and said, no, you're not getting it. That's because another gentleman in the, in the building said, just harass him because he knew what was coming. But was it by accident that I've known this man for 10 years and that he's at this church? Where was Matt last year? Where was Matt four years ago? Where was Matt seven years ago? Where was Michael? God has you here at this appointed time, at this appointed place, because he needs you. He needs all of you. He needs all of us if we're going to continue to keep keeping on in the ministry. I'll leave you with this thought and then we'll pray. You may be here today and facing a challenge that you feel is insurmountable. I know that there are some of you here today wondering what to do next. How will you make it? How you will be victorious knowing what you have to face. And I want to tell each and every one of you that the same God who delivered Jericho and those 30 other cities into the hands of Joshua and the people of Israel is still at work today. And he is still just as interested in your walls as he was the walls of Jericho. He is just as interested in delivering you as he was in delivering Joshua. So I ask you all this question this morning. Are you facing a wall ahead that challenges you? If so, are you trusting in God's way of deliverance? Are you trusting him for the win? Are you trusting God's timing for your victory? And are you willing to continue to march ahead? Even if God doesn't deliver you today, even if God doesn't deliver you tomorrow, or even if God doesn't deliver you next week, God delivered Jericho into Joshua's hands on the seventh day after marching around those walls 13 times. Are you willing to wait on God's timing to deliver you? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that, Lord, sometimes we, we think that, Lord, are you done with us? Are you done with this ministry? Are you done with my family? Are you done with this marriage? Are you done with my job where I'm currently at? But God, we're going to wait on you because you're not done. God, it's so awesome that as even in my own life, Lord, you place the vision and you make this dream and vision a reality. 
God, why are we so intimidated and limited by by what you can truly do? And all you were trying to tell the children of Israel was to trust in you by faith. God, today there are some here that have such big walls in their way that they haven't trusted you. And God, I ask that they'll just, with, with your strength and your power, that they'll listen. Wait for your timing. Deliver them. Help them. Let them see that those walls and those barriers can be taken down with just a shout. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I rebuke Satan. And I ask that, Father, that those that are in here that might even be watching or listening, that are dealing with some big major walls in their lives, that, Father, you'll tear those walls down. And that through that, that they'll find sanctification and purity, that they'll come back to you. Lord, you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You're with us. Thank you for your word this morning. And God, it's Todd. And I just want to say thank you for going before me all these years in this ministry. And Father, continue to go before us. Bless this church, this congregation, this community. Let us be a light that, Father God, you will just be able to allow people to come here, feel loved, appreciated, accepted, because we're your children and we're carrying your banner. God bless your people today. In your holy name we pray.